Welcome to the Redemption Channel. My name is Matthew, and we're in a series called Keep It Simple. Enjoy the message. Morning. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Stephen. I'm the pastor here, and it's, uh, it's really good to, to see you, to have each and every one of you here this morning. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. We're going to look at a somewhat obscure passage of Scripture uh, this morning. I've never taught on it before. I've never heard a teaching on it. It's kind of right at the end of uh, the book of Colossians, which is in the New Testament part of the Bible. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Colossians, and uh, the very last thing he says, right before the very last thing he says, so the second to last verse is the one we're going to look at this morning. We're in a series called Keep It Simple. This is the last week of the series. And what we've been doing in this series is incorporating simple practices into our lives to help us be near Jesus and together as a church family. What we're looking at this morning uh, is a practice of the Christian faith, but it's also a result of living out the practices that we've talked about over the last few weeks. And so we've talked about reading scripture. We've talked about prayer, taking communion together, loving one another genuinely, getting connected together, uh, giving generous one toward another. We've kind of mentioned these and talked through them over the last seven weeks. Well, today uh, we're going to talk about what happens then when you're doing those things and you're living in step with the Holy Spirit or you're living out the Christian faith. The verse, Colossians 4.17, starts like this. And say to Archippus, or Archippus, now, Archippus is mentioned one other time in the Bible in the book of Philemon, which is another letter by Paul. And um, uh, Archippus is not an apostle. He's not one of the 12 disciples. He's not a pastor. What we're to assume about Archippus or all that we can conjecture by what's written in Scripture is he's just the dude who goes to church. He's no different than you. Uh, or anyone else who shows up really no different than me. I was just a dude who showed up to church one time and they asked me if I could talk, right? And he's just a guy who showed up to church and he has a ministry we're gonna see. We don't know what that ministry is. It's not labeled. There's no more information given about it. We're gonna talk about that word ministry. And for some reason, Paul looks at Archippus uh, right before he's done with this letter, and he's going to encourage and inspire and motivate and tell him to keep on going. This morning, you might find yourself uh, in need of motivation. You might find yourself in need of uh, remembering what once was. Or maybe you're new to the Christian faith, and uh, this would just be restarting. Or maybe you have found yourself in a, a season of disillusionment with the, the faith or church or whatever it might be, and it's just a reminder, a, a rekindling of something that, that used to be. I don't think, there are certain times in Scripture uh, when people are like, hey, just put your name in there for this, and it's not appropriate to do that. In this particular case, it is, I think. When it says, and say to Archippus, it could be your name, and say to you, and say to you. So I think this is a message uh, for each and every one of us, because the result of this message, the result of what we see in this verse is for each and every one of us. God gives ministry out for two reasons. One, his glory, and two, our benefit in that order, his glory and our benefit. Now, when we say our benefit, uh, that doesn't mean some weirdly worldly benefit. It means our benefit as in something that he does inside of us. See, when Paul gets done here uh, with this verse, one of the things he's going to say is, remember my chains, his chains, his, his literal enslavement. Paul's an interesting character. 
When he started his ministry, he was putting other people in chains and he was spiritually in chains. At the end of his ministry, he was literally in chains and spiritually he was set free. It's a gospel reversal that we see in Paul's life. For you and I this morning, we're gonna look and see how do we operate now? What, what, what happens when we have drawn near to Jesus and we're together in a church family? What's the result then? It says, and say to Archippus, see to it that, or take heed that, you fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. One verse at the end of Colossians. What does it mean for us? And say to Archippus, see that you, or take heed, another translation says. It's a Greek word, blepo. Sounds like Aleppo. Blepo. Blepo. Now, this word blepo is used throughout the New Covenant or the New Testament part of the Bible. And um, when it's used, another way of saying it would be this. Direct your mind or focus in on. Think deeply, long, uh, concentratingly around what you have been called to do. Or another word would be consider, consider. Three other areas or times that this word is used throughout the New Testament gives us a, a fuller understanding of what the word means. One time it's used, it's talking about the individual's past. In other words, you could say this, consider your past. Consider what you've come out of. All of us have a past, of course, some good, some bad. Uh, some that have built the kingdom, some that have probably torn it down, sometime when we were in sin, sometimes when we were in grace, right? Uh, and so we all have this past that we live out of or uh, know that is in us or that has been a part of our lives. Paul is, in essence, saying here to this individual, Archippus, when you consider your past, when you consider all that God has brought you through, sometimes you were there on your own accord, sometimes it was just life circumstances that happened to you that you couldn't have done, dictated, it was just something that you had to live in, right? But when you consider all of your past, when you consider how God has formed you, when you consider how faithful he's been, when you consider how he's redeemed even your greatest brokenness, when you consider all of that, now point your focus toward where he wants to take you. See, you and I will operate. This is one of the beauties of the gospel. We can operate in God's ministry out of our broken past. Oftentimes the world will tell us that the broken past disqualifies or stops us from continuing to operate when the gospel tells us that God redeems the broken past so as to operate more effectively. It's the beauty of the gospel. It's not that he loves the brokenness or we love the brokenness, but we love what God can do through it. So he says, consider your past and now focus in on your ministry. Another time when this word blepo is used, uh, it's in relation to considering the end in mind. In other words, think about the end result if you continue to um, minister or serve or operate in this way. Think about the results. Think about what happens on the other side if you do. Think about those who will be served. Think about lives that will be changed. Think about that which God has called you to do that maybe no one else can do and how it'll affect someone else that no one else can affect. Think about the end in mind and now focus your mind in on what he's called you to. And then uh, the last one or the, the third way that this is used is consider your circumstances or your situation. 
Consider the environment in which you live. Consider the church in which you're a part of and what's needed. Consider um, your talents and your skills or your giftings or your passions. Consider the city or the neighborhood that you've been placed in. If you're a student, consider the school that you're in. Consider the season of life that you find yourself in. When you're a high school or a college student, that your season of evangelism is easier and better right then than it'll probably be at any other time in your life. Consider your season of retirement, uh, not as in winding everything down, but ramping up your ministry. Consider uh, uh, that you are a parent who made it through the tough teen years or the tough lower years, and now you can pour back down and mentor somebody who's coming in and up behind you. Consider your circumstances and your situation. Consider the end result and consider your past and now focus in on what God has called you to do. And each and every one of us, each and every one of us have one of these, these ministries that we'll get to. You do. You could be brand new in Christ and you have one. Somebody who models this really well, uh, a friend of our churches, her name's Tiffany. Tiffany's a single mom of twins. Uh, Tiffany used to work at the Bowling Green Pregnancy Center. Uh, Tiffany has done ministry down in Bowling Green. And so she's seen the results of that type of ministry. She's lived the life of a single mom. And uh, she's seen the need in Bowling Green. And so she launched a ministry called The Nest BG. And uh, The Nest BG that Tiffany operates and is like the sole focus of her life. Last time I knew, I don't know if this is still true, she does this completely without getting paid. And it is the aim and the direction of her life. She's focused in on it. And what she does is she takes her past as a single mom and now serves mostly single moms. She takes her work uh, that she did at the BG Pregnancy Center, and now she uses this ministry as a way of serving uh, moms who are um, considering all options. Last week, she talked to us uh, about some of the results of the ministry. Uh, a young lady who graduated who wouldn't have. Uh, another young lady who found out that she was pregnant, didn't know what to do, showed up, and Tiffany and their group showed them how much love and support that she's going to have. And so this woman who, in Tiffany's words, was considering all options is now planning on carrying the child out. Considering the end in mind now, her mind and her heart is focused on this. And it's beautiful to see uh, one person's passion and ministry take off. And you know what? You have one too. Sometimes they're within the body of the church. Sometimes they're outside of the body of the church. Sometimes they're as big as launching an organization. Sometimes um, they might seem smaller than that. You know what I've often found out about that, which is big though? Um, it started with somebody who humbly started serving in a small way first. <laughs> my, my ministry started in a locker room. Okay, literally. Okay, not a, it was a hallway by a locker room in a high school talking to six middle school students. I got to do that for two years. Had a lot of fun, right? Did a lot of crazy things in those two years. Um, we all start somewhere. And God has a ministry for you to carry out. He says, consider all those things. Now focus your mind in on it. He says, to fulfill, I'm going to hit that word later, your ministry. Now this word ministry is a Greek word, diakonos. And uh, this word has a lot of connotation to it. One of the connotations always in this word is an act of humble service. We say this around here, real leadership serves people. 
Uh, that leadership in the church and in the context of the body doesn't elevate the person to a place of power and prominence, uh, but lowers them to a place of service. Like Christ giving up his life on the cross. Christ washing the disciples' feet. Ministry in the church out of the Holy Spirit is always act of service, humility. One way we say it around here is no job too small. That's why one of our elders was literally mopping the floor before you got here today. No job too small. Operating out of humility. This word diakonos back in that day also referred to somebody who was like a waiter in a rich person's house. They obviously didn't have a lot of restaurants back in that day. But one place of service uh, was for the very wealthy. They would bring in diakonos. They would bring in people um, to serve food to their guests. And so the idea of diakonos was you serve at one person's command to the benefit of somebody else. And if you were a diakonos, if you were operating in this role, it was actually a coveted role because it got paid relatively well. And you know, if you didn't do a, do a good job, and this is the word that Paul, by the way, decides to use, and it's the word that's used all throughout the New Covenant, uh, that somebody else was waiting in line to take your role because it was a good job, a diakonos, which means that when we step into um, to, to operate in, in, in ministry and to serve God uh, at his command, we serve other people, uh, we do so knowing, I'm going to give this the best that I've got. I'm going to do this with, with the fullest of my potential, diakonos. That's why Paul used this word. And, and even if you think about it, like uh, being in, a, in the wealthy person's house, you know, maybe he would gather them all up before and he would say, okay, you guys are going to go serve the appetizers now. And they would go out and you've been to parties before where you're really hungry. And when that waiter comes out, right, like pre-wedding or whatever, with the, what happens? Everybody swarms them. It's like they're passing out little blessings or gold, it's shrimp, whatever. When we serve... When we, when we serve, we're like the people walking out to a hungry crowd. And what we're doing is we are passing out blessings on God's behalf. When you serve, uh, whether it's the mom uh, in nursery or it's, it's greeting or it's cleaning or it's whatever, you are mediating blessings on God's behalf. If I look back at seasons of my life um, where I was very sad, I don't know if I use the word depressed. Maybe, I don't know, who knows? But very sad. Remember, one of the things that always um, um, jolted me out of that um, was going and serving at Vision. Because when, uh, and it's, uh, imagine this, because and even thinking through this, it makes sense. Why? Because in that moment, Christ says it's better to give than to receive. And so when you go down and serve, it's better to give. So I'm giving, so that's better for me. So it lifted me. You have a diakonos, a ministry. You have blessings that ought to be passed out, which means when we aren't operating in this area, um, one, you're missing out, yes, but also there's blessing that's not being passed out. You have received, it says, this ministry. This word received, it's my favorite of the Greek words, paralambano, it's a fun one, paralambano. Right? I always want to say it with an Italian accent that I don't have. Paralambano. Now, this word, uh, receive, it's used uh, two really important ways in the new covenant. 
in the New Testament. One of the ways is it's the exact word that's talked about on how we receive salvation. How do we receive salvation? Grace. How do you receive your ministry? By grace. But we don't just receive it by grace. We're also empowered by grace. Grace is not just um, the act of receiving it. It's also the power that compels us and enables us to continue to go. So that ministry that you and I have, it's empowered by the grace of God. Strength comes from him, which means when you're ready to quit, ah, his grace is sufficient. Now, how is his grace sufficient? In many ways, in many different areas. Sometimes God's grace is just the people he puts around you to keep on going. Sometimes God's grace is the um, season of break or implementing Sabbath back into your life because you get rest and then you're um, re-energized. Sometimes grace is just um, hitting the, uh, 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 the right new resource or piece of content that comes in and changes your perspective again. But he empowers us by grace and he pours his grace out to keep us going. This word received is also the word that talks about how one day you and I will be received in heaven. I don't know about you, but I plan on that being a joyous moment, like an exciting moment. Here's what that means, <laughs> that when you and I serve and there's no joy in it, we're either in the wrong place or we need a time of rest for that joy to be restored. That word received there is that we, we operate then in this gifting, in this ministry that you, each and every one of us have out of joy. And, like, uh, and, and joy is not about what you're doing always. It's about remembering who you do it for. It's not about remembering the circumstances or the experiences that you're in because the very next thing that Paul says is, remember my chains. Remember my chains, literal chains that are around. He's in prison at his right, as he's writing this and there's still joy. See, when you're operating in this, when you're operating in the spirit, when you're operating, uh, there's joy really regardless of what it is that you're doing. You have a ministry, a diakonos that has been given to you. You've received it, what? In the Lord. Now this word Lord is not the word uh, that we would typically associate with Lord, like to mean Yahweh or, or, or Jesus. It's a word kurios. And what it means is like a chief. One word that was used to describe it is a controller. And so like you think about like a large company that has a financial controller and they're the ones who get to dictate when money is released. So in this way, what it's saying is uh, uh, that God is the, uh, the controller. Like he's looking down and he's saying, okay, I see that church. I see that family. I see that city. I see that neighborhood. I see this environment. And now I'm gonna pass this one out there and this one out there and this one out there. And what does that remind us? It reminds us this. That although, diakonos, um, uh, I'm going to give it the best that I've got, I'm going to do everything that I can. I've received it in grace. I'm going to operate out of joy. It's still not mine. You're suited in the Lord, in Kuros. It's his. It's still his. He gives it to us. He allows us to operate in it, but it's still his to give out. All ministry is the Lord's. Now, he does pass it out. He's very gracious in that. What that means uh, is that there are going to be time, there are times and seasons um, when ministry um, in one outlet might end. And God might be ending that. Why? Because he has something new for you and he wants to move somebody else in. 
And when we hold on too long, when we forget that it's his and we think it's ours, sometimes it stops us from where God wants to take us and who he wants to move in. So we actually, we limit two things. It's his ministry. He's the one who passes it out. We receive it in the Lord. Now, at the very beginning, we skipped over one word. It was the word fulfill. This word is plaru, plaru. This word is used a bunch in the New Testament. Three instances I want to share with you because I think it's interesting. The word plaru, it's the word fulfill, the word fulfill. The first time that this word plaru is used, or the first instance uh, that it's used when he's saying, make sure you fulfill your ministry, make sure you complete the work, make sure you accomplish the task. The first way it's used is every time that an Old Testament prophecy is completed, it's fulfilled. Now, you know how many Old Testament prophecies there were? Hundreds. In other words, um, when we think about this um, word plaru or complete the task that you've been given, what he's saying is do it with painstaking detail. Uh, make sure, accomplish every element and task of it. See it all through to the end, like every prophecy was fulfilled. The other time that this word is used, though, is almost the opposite. It's used um, when the, the young lady was pouring the perfume on Jesus' feet, an excessive, extravagant amount of perfume. And so much so that some of the disciples were like, hold up, we can sell that and we can keep the money. Stop. The idea there in fulfill is if you're going to do it, well, then do it with incredible excess and extravagance. Do it um, with every bit of passion and talent and zeal that you have. In other words, don't just get up and preach. Know your sermon, work through it, and then when you get up there, preach it with everything you've got or whatever it is for you, whatever it is for you. The other thing, uh, the last, is it's the same the same word that's used, Phil, uh, as the word that talked about the Holy Spirit falling on Pentecost and filling the believer. What does that teach us? It means that when we fulfill ministry, when we operate in it, we're not operating on our own strength. We're operating within the power of the Holy Spirit now on us and in us to do it. Or said another way, when you operate in your gift, when you're fulfilling your gift, when you're, when you're moving in your gift, do it in such a way that you're empowered by the Holy Spirit in it. Maybe you've um, grown sensitive enough to know the difference between talent and the Holy Spirit. Right? Like there are certain things that are talented, um, but you're like, there's no Holy Spirit in that. I mean, for me still, um, uh, 13 years into this, every, every Sunday, I, 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 I beg, God, everything I say means nothing, nothing, unless your spirit is empowering it. Like if I just get up there on my own, it means it's meaningless. You, please, you bring life to this. What this is doing, by the way, it's elevating and rising up every act of ministry within the context of the church. It's rising up and it's, and it's giving value to everything that you and I do on behalf and for the kingdom of God. And you have a ministry. 
And now, uh, the only assumption uh, that commentators make about why Paul wrote this in at the end of Colossians is that for some reason, he was under the impression that Archippus was about to quit and he was going to stop. And that's why he wrote it in there. Because he looked at the guy and he thought, well, he must be about done. Otherwise, why would have Paul said this? And he had some type of indication that what he needed to do was to look at our campus and say, you're not giving up. Now, we know the types of things that take us away from the ministry that God has called us to. And we probably all fall in different camps here. Sometimes sin destroys it or stops it. And what we begin to think or what other people begin to tell us uh, is that that sin disqualifies instead of reminding us of the grace of Christ to keep on going. And so if you find yourself in that spot today, repentance is absolutely necessary, sure. Repent and embrace the grace of the gospel and keep on going. Other things that stop us are disillusionment, Man, I I thought this was going to be one thing, but it hasn't turned out to be that. Sometimes difficulty stops us. And in scripture, we see two types of difficulty. One type of difficulty was when Paul was saying, I want to go preach uh, in Asia, and the Holy Spirit kept stopping him. That was a difficulty. Another type of difficulty is the type of difficulty that happens in life, and it's the type of difficulty where the Holy Spirit and grace empower you to get through it. And we have to learn to discern the difference. Some difficulty is God saying, nope. Some difficulty, other difficulty, is the Holy Spirit saying, I'm refining you through this process. And I'm changing you through this process. And don't give up in the middle of the process. Because if you get to the end of the process, you're going to be a different person. And you're going to pour out blessings to people. So some of us, we're in the difficulty right now. And you're experiencing it. And the Holy Spirit... You discern, right? But the Holy Spirit might just be saying, we're going to get through this. Keep on walking. Keep on being faithful. Don't give in. Don't turn to sin. Another thing that can take us away sometimes is just simply distraction. We've gotten distracted. And we've elevated the world and the things of the world. And we were once so focused. We were once so committed to the kingdom. Now we've gotten distracted and we're chasing other things. We're chasing other stuff. And it's now got our heart. If you find yourself in that spot, okay, recognize it and move back. How do you move back? How do you move back? How do we start in this? Um, There's no right or wrong, like starting. Well, there's probably wrong ones. (laughs) There's not just one right one, I should say. Well, when it comes to discovering what my diakonos is, what your diakonos is, when it comes to operating in that, the best advice is just start doing something. Start recognizing how has God worked in my life in the past? How is that uniquely now formed in me to operate in ministry? How, um, uh, uh, where do I find myself right now in life? What are my circumstances? How might my marriage help a young married couple if I was willing to share, right? Or how might your experiences help a young parent? Fill in the blank. And then get started. Here's what we don't do. This is the wrong thing. Oftentimes, 
Um, I think this is a modern church problem, but maybe it, it existed back in, in, in you know, 2,000 years ago too. Um, somehow, I don't know how, somehow we have actually made serving about us, which should just go, like, how is that possible? What we've done is we've made serving about us. We've made it about what makes me happy, what makes me feel good. What is my um, personality test Tell me to do? Somebody shared a really funny story with me about how um, they knew somebody in ministry and um, there were these spiritual gifts tests that people were taking and, uh, and they were taking it. And this guy brought in a bunch of non-Christians to take the test and they all took the test. And guess what it gave them? Spiritual gifts. <laughs> Thank you for catching the irony. The Holy, how, you're like, how do I find my spiritual gifts? The Holy Spirit is, is how you find it. Um, and acts of service. And you just start and God will lead you to it because he's a Holy Spirit who wants you to operate in it. He's not trying to hide it, okay? In other words, get started and, and the Holy Spirit will begin to move. You know, there's a guy in our church. Um, he was involved in ministry a while ago. And uh, he and I bonded, I think, when he first started showing up uh, the church over some mutual experiences of a really difficult, hard season of ministry um, that made us both want to quit. And um, for him, it led to a season of, you know, the proverbial sidelines. And uh, then he got our mailer about a year and a half ago and showed up. And um, I'll let him share more of the story someday. Um, but he, he would just talk about the, the, the fear of walking back into church, right? And... Um, and for seasons, all of the experiences, and this guy's literally been trained by some of the best Bible teachers in the world, like one-on-one, -on -one. all of his experiences were shelved. We're, we're, we're just laying unused. In a, in a way right now, by the way, that we're, for many of us, there is, there is talent, there is wisdom, there is experience, uh, there is so much sitting out there, right? It's like if there were a whole bunch of hungry people up here and y'all just had so many appetizers, but they weren't getting up to all the hungry people. That is the talent, knowledge, wisdom, experience that's sitting out there right now. And so for this guy for years, because he'd been beaten down, he just sat. And ironically, right, it took a 37 cent piece of mail to stir him out of that. He showed back up. And now over the last few um, year and a half as he's gotten re-engaged and re-involved and his heart is opening back up and he's in the body again and all of this, um, now he's going literally into prison to serve people. That's why you got a cookie on your way in. You can go ahead and take the cookie out, okay? Later I thought, man, we should have given everyone chocolate milk and we could have had the coolest communion ever, okay? Okay, now you all got a cookie, Right Now, you got one of four different types of cookies, and I think this is actually fitting because some of you are going to take a bite of your cookie, and you're going to love the type of cookie that you got. Others of you are already trying to trade with your neighbor. Don't, okay? So if you want, right, go ahead and, you know, eat your cookie if you haven't already. Enjoy it. It's nice. Maybe you like the cookie. Maybe you hate the cookie. I think that's fitting because sometimes when we step into an act of service, it fits. Oh, and it tastes delicious. And sometimes we step into an act of service and we're like, I would have chosen another one, like the chocolate chip, because that's clearly the best cookie. And we would have taken that. 
Sometimes we're operating right in our giftedness, and sometimes we're not. In fact, actually, we have a, um, we have, Isaiah, can you make sure you're up there? We have a little video uh, that we want to show you real quick of somebody operating in their giftedness, because I want to show you that when, how, when somebody operates in their giftedness, um, how, how good it sounds and tastes. So take a look. Such a great display, <laughs> amazing look. Can I get some percussion, please? baby. Woo! Okay, now, here's our goal, is to combine your passion with something you're actually good at, okay? But we want to start with the passion. Um, we'll find the good at. Now, your first step in serving might sound as bad as that, okay? And, and what we'll do then is we'll try to segue you in. By the way, if you're wondering when in the world did that happen, okay, this is why you want to be on our setup team. Okay, things like this happen pre-service, okay, at 7.30. Okay, um, we want to help you find something that you're good at and passionate about. We, wanna, we just want to help you get started. Um, I, that was fun for me. Um, but if somebody asked me, what are the 30 minutes that go quickest? Some of you are like, it's not 30 minutes. The last couple of weeks, it's been more like 38 minutes, actually. But if they ask me what are the 30 or 38 minutes that go quickest for me every Sunday, it's right here. It's right here. Because, uh, and somebody said to me the other day, they said, um, I don't know why anyone would, would be a pastor. And the only thing I said to them is, here's the only answer I can give you after 13 years, is when Paul says, woe to me if I do not preach. Woe to me. I want you to find the thing in your life where you would say, woe to me if I do not as in, you know so much that God is just, he's, he's wired you for it and he's given it to you. And no matter what happens, no matter, no matter what difficulty, well, no matter what despair, no matter uh, when you are on the proverbial sidelines, that you know you're going to find yourself back in it, empowered by the Holy Spirit, filled with grace, ready to go. And so Tom is going back into prison, back to the cookies. And uh, here's cool. We don't always get to do this. We don't always get to operate uh, and serve alongside of everybody's diakonos because we can't do that as a body. But every once in a while, we get to. And it's really cool. So Tom's going to go in, and he's going to lead a um, gospel-centered spiritual experience for prisoners for three days. And it's a long, intense time. He's going to stay there, all of this. And he's going to work in these guys and, and preach the gospel to them. By the way, um, if this doesn't like ring a bell or like concern you at all, if you say, oh, I, don't, I don't, you know, that's not me. Um, you know that prisoners are one of the specific areas that Jesus says he's going to ask about? Like, that should mean something. Matthew 25. What'd you do for me when I was in prison? That's a pretty specific one. So here's an opportunity for us now uh, uh, to come alongside a guy in our church who's operating in his diakonos and for us to serve alongside of him. And so um, apparently cookies are a big deal in prison. And so um, you have your cookie, enjoyed your cookie. Uh, these four types of cookies that you experienced or ate, you know, in your row uh, are the same types of four cookies that we need to make. And on your way out today, you can grab a handout and a bag and fill that bag with two dozen cookies. For every one bag, two dozen cookies. By the way, we need to make 200 dozen cookies as a church, okay? So I hope you all like to bake. 
Um, and if you really like to bake, but like the money would stop you, we bought a bunch of Kroger gift cards um, that we can pass out to anyone who would say, I want to bake, but I don't have money. So we bought the gift cards. That way you can take it, and, and that wouldn't stop you, okay? Um, and I want to get rid of all four of those gift cards before we're done today uh, with somebody who's willing to bake a lot of cookies, okay? Uh, but here's the deal, because I think this is a beautiful picture of how ministry works. Um, when you make the cookies and you bake the cookies and you put the cookies in the bag and you bring them back two Sundays from today, um, see how I filled in some nice details there for you, and you do that, um, here's what I'd also ask you to do. Pray. 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 And pray because um, those cookies are going to literally go into prison and be used to show the gospel to people. Also pray because here's what I think is really cool. Um, I just learned this. Uh, on the first night, they give them cookies and they say, go home, eat some of the cookies and give one to a friend. Then they give more cookies the next night, and they say, go home, eat some cookies, and give one to an enemy. Oh, what a beautiful picture. One of you is going to be in your house baking cookies. You're going to take the cookie. You're going to pray for that cookie. You're going to put it in a bag. You're going to bring it back in two weeks. Someone's going to take that bag with them into prison. They're going to pass that person, uh, that cookie out. Someone's going to take that cookie, and they're going to go find the person in prison that they don't get along with the most, and they're going to give that cookie as an act of Christ's love. This is what diakonos is all about. Diakonos is taking the blessings of God, opening yourself up to whatever that might look like and pouring out those blessings. And you and I have been created for that. And each and every one of us have one of those. And it's for his glory and it is for our benefit and joy. I wanna see you operate in that, each and every one of us. Let's pray. Thanks for watching this video. We hope you'll join us for one of our services on Sunday at 9 or 10.30 a.m. in the Levis Commons Movie Theater. Now with the new year come new things. So if you want to find out more about our church, visit us at our new web address, experienceredemption.com. Have a great week.